Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What do you want to talk about? I'm out of ideas. <laughs> should, we, should, we talk about, no ideas. should we talk about your outfit? I know we're not on Facebook Live, <laughs> but you are, you are wearing one hell of an outfit. Yeah. Let me explain it to you, Tim. There is no Facebook Live today because Sky, the idiots at Sky, I mean, I'm not going to go into it now, but uh, they have failed You're not moaning about Stuart Barnes again, are you? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Stuart Barnes. Looks... <laughs> Stuart Barnes right now is the best thing that Sky has to offer because their service <laughs> on broadband is so abysmal. It is so. If you if you work for Sky and listening to this, you're abysmal, right? <laughs> but the plus side to not having Sky Fiber Max broadband not in your house uh, is the fact that I'm literally dressed like a Slavic plumber. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're wearing uh, dirty white sleeveless cotton beater, wife beater. Yeah, horrendous fitting cotton wife beater as well. Yeah, it's uh, it, <laughs> and then there's some um, like tracksuit pants. They're, well, they're not. They're not track. They're halfway between pajamas and jogging bottoms. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure on which camp they quite fall. It's a weekend then of strong looks, JB, because uh, the picture on Twitter, uh, on, on, at Rugby Podcast, where you can find us on Twitter, of you in that, uh, that, that, that... strong Doctor... It was Doctor Who-esque <laughs> hat. Mate. It's what, it's what a few Twitter that is my were. That is my rugby look. Do you know who the Red Baron is? Uh, no. Is he a World War One fighter, German fighter yeah, so pilot? Yeah, so I always wear my rugby hat to, to watch rugby, whether it's you know, professionally... Or if it's down at Sock H, the Red Baron used to play, used to paint his uh, fighter pilot, fighter pilot, used to paint his fighter plane red, so all the other pilots would get encouragement that he was there and he was easily spotted. I wear my hat to give the lads <laughs> encouragement because I'm there, therefore I'm e- I'm easily spotted. Very good. That's exactly right. what I do. So you're looking sharp. Let's hope your chat is as sharp on this podcast then. All right. Well, after that anecdote, I doubt it. Uh, uh, hands in, then, boys. Pod on three. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, joined in studio with Phil. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. And live from the Egg Chasers TMO shipping container, it's Tim. (laughs) Hello, JB. Hello, Phil. Hello, Tim. Uh, And how are you today, mate? What are you doing down in London? You're in uh, London, well, are you? Sorry? You are in London, are you? Yeah, yeah, I've had the family down this weekend and did all the Christmas lights, Street, Street Hamleys, 
Carnaby Street, all that, all that. Wow, all, all, all that BT money, hey? Go. You got it. <laughs> all right, well, what have we got on the show today? Obviously, England, Australia, and of course, this is the international version of the podcast, the midweek domestic podcast. We'll do it immediately after, immediately after this for Wednesday, I think. Yeah, England, Australia, we're going to be posing some questions. We've got uh, a new game from Tim, Ooh. which I'm very excited about. Well, listen, listen, probably the best known and most loved game we've ever done on the podcast until now was JB's inspired Nazi war criminal or Springbok. Spring, Springbok no, or Nazi sorry, war criminal. Uh, it's trademarked Springbok or Nazi war criminal. <laughs> and actually, I apologize. Actually, and actually, it should, it should not even be called that. It should be called Springbok and or Nazi <laughs> war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have I have a new game which is inspired by our Australian brethren, and um, and I think you're going to like it. Excellent! I'm looking forward to that. We're also going to discuss the bonus points in the Six Nations, and uh, we're going to look ahead to kind of bookend the Autumn Internationals. We're going to look ahead to the Lions next year. Mm. Yes, I've got a review here, boys, on oh? iTunes. Please. But- Please leave your five star reviews. Uh, other star ratings are available, but um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning these because they're five star reviews. So thank you very much, Tani Fuga fanboy, who Ooh. says cracking pod, keeping me up to date on Ellis Genji's latest shenanigans, <laughs> and in touch with long distance mates as we discuss JB's sail obsession and the fact Scotland is always discussed last. Uh, don't my um I d- uh, and then sorry and then rugby PT says cutting edge insight uh, and differing opinions on all areas of rugby including players social media hask level banter flying about yeah and a real emphasis on the correct pronunciation of New Zealand players names great <laughs> binter bro yeah. we're normally quite good at uh, New Zealand although the accent's terrible our South African. Uh, pronunciation really needs some work. I've actually been told off by someone from South Africa about my pronunciation. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's embarrassing, isn't yeah, it? I don't, yeah, it's fine. We're getting yeah. better, though. I, I'm not. I'm actually not. Uh, so did so? Did you all watch the game? I watched yes. it live. Did yes. you? I did not watch the game. Did you not? I watched it live in a pub on my own. In, yeah, in a pub, Belushi's Bar in... Uh, just near London Bridge, just opposite Borough Market. So, yeah. Oh, no, nice. Uh, great a- atmosphere. A- yeah. any, any salty kiss? <laughs> I did not touch any if there was any salty kiss there, obviously. Vi- I know better than that. Vile. Uh, so, <laughs> what, did we think, what did we think of the game then? What were your impressions, Tim? Awful first 20 minutes. Like, diabolically bad from England. Yeah, and I think I think I tweeted out that it feels like England are in a video game at the minute on challenge <laughs> mode, where the last game it was your challenge now is to beat Argentina with fourteen men, and then your your challenge now is sixty minutes to go and you're ten nil down against Australia. Turn things around. Yeah, uh, that's how it felt. It, Awful. I really enjoyed that tweet. Uh, I thought that's exactly uh, set the scene perfectly. Um, I mean, that first 15, 20 minutes, exactly what we said last week was if Australia get fast front football, they use those two big centres to get over the game line, and then they use their potent runners out wide, they'll be incredibly dangerous. And that first 20 minutes and their period of dominance in the second half, that's exactly what they did. Mm. 
And after tw- after 20 minutes, I thought it was over. I thought England had no way of coming back because they didn't even look like playing. But kind of they got the bounce of a ball. They got the the Kepu drop ball, which Farrell and Joseph pounced on. Uh, so they got a bit of luck, and they also had a bit of luck at the other end where they had the disallowed tries from yeah, that's a, good point, actually. a couple from Kurandrani with the, the Pocock hit on Farrell uh, and then held up over the line. Uh, and they they kind of limped into half-time only three points down despite not having much of the ball, not playing any good rugby. Well, that's, I think, why they are a good team, though, isn't it? Because they're always in striking distance. Yeah. Uh, and the way they turned it around in the second half, they were exceptional for virtually all of the second half. That said, I think we should look at... If, if you actually just dig into it a little bit deeper, Australia handed over quite a lot of points to England through errors, interceptions, drop yep. balls, which they got kicked through. And then they didn't, again, as has been the problem with their whole autumn, they didn't take their chances. And also, they I mean, where do you stand on Marlon Yard's try? Because I think there's a lot of Aussies upset that was a knock-on with his left hand before he placed it with his right hand. Uh, correct decision for me. I think I think it did go forward. I, the way that the, the TMO justified it was that his left hand was in contact the whole time. And I'm not sure it was, but I think his right hand hits it as it hits the floor. So, or slightly, therefore, slightly, no knock on. Slightly just before, yeah. So, the correct decision, although I think the TMO got there in a slightly wonky manner. Hmm. Forward pass for another one of the tries? Uh, yes, there was definitely. Well, there was a few forward passes not given for England, but uh, I can't remember which try it was. I think that this run of form, this run of games that they've had, has been simply incredible. And it does... I'm so conflicted now on the whole Lancaster thing. Like, did Lancaster build this foundation? Uh, or was he completely inept? Uh, which oh, is why he failed so badly. He, he definitely built the foundations. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced of that. Really? All, they're the same players. They, they, were, they were well coached, well coached. I think what Lancaster missed was the last few percentage, which is selection and strategy. And he just didn't, because he didn't have that, it never fell into place. As soon as you get someone like Eddie Jones, who's got that selection are, and strategy. Yeah, but are they the same players? Because, you know, the captain didn't even get in the team. Only in the World Cup. For the whole of the rest of the time, Hartley was in and around the team. Hmm. It's a, it's a really, it's a really, really tricky one for I, me. I think
I'm going to be boring. I'm going to say it's Haskell, Billy, and Rob Shaw. With who on the bench? Clifford. Clifford. Okay. Tim? Uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I apologise. Thank, thanks to Sky. Uh, I'm, I'm missing patchy bits of that, so repeat the question, Phil. <laughs> Bloody Sky. The question is, if everyone's back and fit, who is Eddie Jones's starting back row and who is the bench? So I need four names. Right. Yeah. Uh, I Billy V. Big Billy V. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, Chris Robshaw's earned that six shirt. Uh, I think if fit in the Six Nations, he would pick Haskell, but I personally wouldn't. Who would you go uh, for then? Yeah, why would you not I, I pick? I think with Hask? form of the second rows. Sorry. Why would you not pick the Hask? Why would I not pick? Just in in terms of the evolution of England, I think there's players that can do that same job and offer more. And actually, Who? I, I was I've been massively impressed with the how good England's second row are, and I just don't know if I wouldn't mind Launchbury over Haskell, and therefore. Marrow in the back row. That's interesting. That is that is interesting. I don't think you're far wrong there, actually, because there has been rumblings of Marrow moving to seven of all places, which does seem quite incredible. Yeah, yeah. I I know it sounds uh, like I'm just saying this because I've interviewed him before, but I honestly think next year Carl Ferns will come into that England team, and he might be squad. Yeah, yeah. I think he will. I think he he's going to be the perfect seven. For that system. But also, also, do you know who else I think could be the perfect seven in that system? Go on. Don Arm Don Armand. Ah, that's not a bad shout. It's not, and he played with the Saxons in South Africa. He, he plays all across the back row, so he's a good bench player as well. Mm-hmm. He can even play lock as well. Yeah, that's maybe not a bad shout. Uh, where do we stand on? There's a guy who's been playing recently, and he's been getting a lot of starts. On Jacob Rowan. The Gloucester, the Gloucester, Gloucester seven. Six. Uh, is he more of a six? I, I don't know. Well, he, six seven. From what I understand, did this lad captain? He was seven. He was seven for Leeds uh, for Yorkshire County. Yeah, did he, he captain he was them? There was he? Yeah, so he's captain them, and that's no mean feat when you're such a young lad. And then he's gone to Gloucester. Now I don't know what the situation of Kvezik is. I can only assume that he's injured because otherwise, well, otherwise he's been dropped for what a twenty-year-old. So uh, he must be up to something. Well, Jacob Rowan is twenty-six. Oh, is he? Yeah, uh, he's a lot older than I thought. Then. Yeah. And I, and I think, and I think possibly, well, there's one. All the rumours. I mean, Kvesic is gone. It just hasn't been. Obviously, no players talk to other clubs till January the first. <laughs> but on January the first, I'm sure Matt Kvesic will have a very quick conversation with Exeter. Yeah. Uh, so there's obviously that involved, and also maybe David Humphreys has seen what we've seen. For the last few years, the penalty. Well, it isn't. It isn't Kvesic's fault. I've I've mentioned this many, many times. It's England's fault. England are at, are at fault here because if Kvesic had the reputation of an England player, he he'd be allowed to cheat. The only reason <laughs> that McCaw can cheat and Pocock yeah. can cheat yeah. and Hooper can cheat is because they are McCaw, Hooper, and Pocock. They are seasoned international players. Exactly. If they got Kvesic into the team and you know built a big song and dance about him. I think he'd be just as good <laughs> as those guys. Be on the wrong side of the rocks and referee. Oh, it's fine. It's Kvesic. He knows exactly what uh, exactly what he's doing. Who, who am I to intervene? Yeah. <laughs> here's a, here's a little stat for you. No, I was looking for at the 
Phil. Um, and this has been a record-breaking year for Australia. Why has it been a record-breaking year for Australia, It has boys? to be losses, right? Most losses in a calendar year. Exactly that. Is yes. that right? That's awesome. Yeah, the most losses of any international team in a calendar year. Nine. Would it be a most good... losses of any international team? Is that right? Yes. Wow. Do you know what we uh, like? maybe, maybe that's tier one, or no, but or maybe there's not enough games that other I, teams I play can't where imagine you could it. rack up nine defeats. No, I don't think there's a tier two nation with nine defeats purely because they'll be playing other tier two the, nations. Well, the the only one would be Italy because they would lose five, but then I guess they don't play as many they games, beat, and they they tend to they lost to Tonga, but they beat South Africa. Yeah, but they lost. Yeah, so wow. And and no other team has conceded as many points in a calendar year. Wow. wow. That's the cool. only little the only little thing to mention is that was three games against New Zealand and four against England since the World Cup. And and yeah, they played I think they played fifteen matches this year. Now. Which is a lot. It's probably a good time to remind ourselves what the Aussie press uh, thought of their chances prior to the England tour. Uh, would you like to say that advert, lads? Oh, let's see what we can do. Uh, I've got it right here. Oh have you? Go on. I love, I love this. Did you see this advert when it came out? Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> That's so smug. I love the laughing. a decent international centre off the bench he, he does tell you what he does uh, <laughs> talk about having to eat your words <laughs> about peak to uh, well no uh, that actually oh that that, that, yeah. that that video but I did have a, a, a thought about uh, about tail go on well he's in the England squad basically because he's the only person this this comes back to an, uh, one of my other theories it's incredibly hard to play international centre at um Sorry, it's incredibly hard to play inside centre at international level. To the point, it's almost impossible. I think there's only two people in all of England that can do it. One happens to be Ben Teo and the other happens to be uh, Manu. And that's it. That's uh, why he's there. Plus then Farrell. No. Well, Farrell can do it. No. No, Farrell <laughs> plays fly half in a 12 shirt. He, is, he isn't a traditional 12. It, that's, and that's my oh, point. He's definitely not a traditional yeah. 12. Only a very small handful of players... Can actually do the traditional twelve, the traditional twelve role now, yeah, because it's so difficult. So yeah, he... I like Reese Hodge. Yeah, yeah. What is Reese Hodge? I mean, I know he's in the twelve shirts, but I don't think he played much twelve for um, for his club. Uh, I know he's played a, a bit all over the back line. He's one of these kind of multifaceted Australian backs, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, he looks like he might be like the solution for their twelve shirt though for quite a number of years, or at least just in in that team. Cause he, well, he's he's got that Latham look 
about him, hasn't he? Long, rangy runner, socks down. Yeah. He's tall, but he's quite slim. Um, and he's doing a job at 12. Mm. <clears throat> the one thing I would say about Australia is if, and Southern Hemisphere teams in general, is Southern Hemisphere sides always tend to be in tune with the World Cup. And if you're going to have a terrible season, better to have one straight after a World Cup. Because England have got to try and keep building or sustaining or building and then sustaining for for three more years before it really matters. Yeah. Hmm. I, well, it depends, doesn't it? Because England could go the way of New Zealand and just continually evolve. And I think that's probably more likely because of their player base. Can you it's, imagine it's, England going through like, a really bad patch in in, in future? I, I just well, can't see it. They've been through so many bad patches since they won in 2003. I can definitely see it. Yeah, but it feels like those are almost... Different times. I know it sounds yeah. ridiculous, but they've got a coach now who can get the best out of their players. They've got such a deep player pool, and yeah. they can just take out of the Aviva whenever they want. I mean, that is, that is probably the most pleasing thing, just the number of players who they've got. And you you look and you think, well, Cruis and Itodri injured, yeah. that's going to cause issues. Billy Vunapola injured, that's going to cause issues. Um, Manu, obviously, has not even been anywhere near... Um, your two starting wings, Watson and Noel. Oh my God, this, think, this team is going to be... F- Actually, the only place I think they are weak is probably on the wings. But um, I, everything else is just dynamite. I, I would dis- where they're weak is, is what you mentioned before, 12. No, they are weak on the wings. Because if you think about who they're playing against, would you rather have a George North? Would you rather have a Tim Visser? Would you rather have you know, um, these bigger you know, these bigger lads? Um, I, I'd go for Noel and Watson as my first choice wingers. And then having... What? Then having May Rocco Yard to back it up is mm. not is not a bad position to be in at all. Yeah, I just think they're, they're very good wingers. I just think they're maybe a level below the absolute best in the world. A level below Surveyor. Yeah, yeah, but virtually everyone is. <clears throat> Tim, you trying to talk there? It's, it's the, the, the no, no, no. The depth is absolutely frightening. Um, and I think a, a couple of things we've learned from this Autumn Internationals. In fact, that's a question. What did we learn from this Autumn Internationals? One, England can survive without Benny Vanapola. He had a shaky, as England did, had a shaky first half, but Nathan Hughes came through in the second half. Yeah. Um, England can play, can beat a team with 14 men. England can play terribly in the first half and still come through and win a tough match. Ireland can play without Johnny Sexton and still look decent. Mm. Um, yeah. The depth, the depth of Ireland has actually been impressive. Um and I don't know how much was it they were just kind of playing with a lot of heart and spirit and how much they have got a huge number of very talented players because uh, we mentioned it last week. In that game against Australia, they were down to absolute bare bones uh, and they still performed. Yeah. Um, I think as well, the the big takeaway for me from this Autumn International are the Tier 2s. Um, I thought, I've, I said it last week, I'll say it again, that this has been the most enjoyable round of awesome internationals I can remember because quite frankly I was sick of watching England play the same three teams over and over again and some years they would just have Australia three times or <laughs> Australia twice and South Africa once I think it's great that we're finally getting to see a more varied selection of teams yeah excellent um, <clears throat> did you see it's a little stat for you um, the France-Australia game last last week Go. and the number of Fijian-born players that there were across the two teams, across the thirty men in the starting lineup. I think there was enough for a sevens team. 
there was very appropriately there was there was precisely seven almost a quarter of the play, the starting is that, players is that what they call a group a group of Fijian men a seven a seven a seven, a seven, a seven of seven. Fijian men <laughs> so, well bi- biologists refer to them as um yeah it's quite amazing actually like the sheer amount, sheer amount of talent and i all, i love the fact that that there's only one player contracted to the French French <laughs> national team itself, and that is a Fijian winger. Yeah, uh, yeah, Fijian-born Vakatawa, Virumi Vakatawa. Yeah, amazing scenes. Uh, it really is. Do we have any other questions re- regarding the England game? Uh, not for me. No, I have I have a game inspired by the England game. Oh, yes, please, Tim. Excellent. I'm looking forward to this, Tim. Right, okay, yeah, so I've bigged this up, so I feel like I need to deliver on it. So for months and months and months, the best part of a year, in fact, I've been trying to find something that could potentially rival or even be described in the same se- same breath as Springbok and or Nazi war criminal. <laughs> this is JB's incredible invention. I've tried my best, okay? So I have a game for you two to play, and play along as you're listening. Oh. <laughs> Go on. Wallaby or hipster band? Oh, loving it. So, is the name I'm going to give you the name of an Australian rugby union international? Yep. Or the name of a hipster band? Hmm. Okay. First name I'll give you Eden Love. Eden Love. Eden Love. (laughs) Interesting one, Eden Love. Go on. Is is Eden Love the name of someone who would wear chinos <laughs> with a blazer after a game, or order a fair trade soy milk mocha chino? Uh, nice, <laughs> nice. So an interesting thing about um, Eden Love that was the second ever hit single for uh, band Barista Chic. <laughs> so <I'm, laughs> I am going to go with Hipster Band. Uh, I will then go for Wallaby. Hang on, but there was a guy called Love, wasn't there? Who used to play? Yeah, Eden Love. I'm going for Wallaby. Who, uh, there's definitely a Valentine. Was there a Valentine? Yeah, I think there was an Australian Valentine. Hmm. Go, go on. on. Go on, Tim. Eden Love was a Wallaby. Oh. What? He was a prop who had three caps in 1932. Wow. <laughs> a vet from New South Wales. Am- amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Do you know what I miss about the 15s is when I used to go digging for hours on Google trying to find someone with the surname Pepper or something. Or something. And you find someone like... <laughs> Max 19... Pepper. <laughs> yeah, Max Pepper. And you find someone like 1930s. Yeah. Like the whole Amazon story is great. <laughs> right. Next one. Darwin Dees. Uh, is Darwin Dees someone who would call for a mark or someone who would read Karl Marx? I'm nice. Gonna, I am gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna go for hipster band. Now I know it's a hipster band because <laughs> I just saw Phil light up and he's a bit of a hipster himself. So because he's gone hipster band, I'm gonna have to go wallaby. Oh, you it's are... two nil to Phil. Tim, I can tell you that you are a radar detector. Yes, what? What that did... is a song. I would have played that on XFM back in the day. What? It's a Darwin, Darwin D's. Darwin D's, Darwin D's is a Brooklyn-based 
skilled at mixing sunshine pop with indie attitude and lo-fi oh, dissonance. I hate these and people. Known, <laughs> and is known to drive audiences crazy with his offbeat Napoleon Dynamite-like dance routines. What what goes on? Radar Detector is a genuinely very good song. It is, it is. Uh, next one. Go on. Rex, Rex Lestrange. <laughs> oh, hang on. Was this, was Rex Lestrange not on her last quiz? Um, is, I, Rex male Lestrange, is Rex Lestrange a possible second row or someone who bought a second-hand hemp throw? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. That's an... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought he, Rex Lestrange might be a adult entertainer of some sort, but hmm, Rex Lestrange, Rex Lestrange, go on, Jay. Wallaby, has to be. I, well, I will then go for hipster band. JB's pulled one back. Yes. Ooh. Rex Lestrange was a centre, 16 caps in the 1970s from Brisbane. Uh, number four, I've got seven of these. Number four is Spider Hill House. Is Spider Hillhouse someone who'd focus on a good team exit or someone who'd cry about the unfairness of Brexit? <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, I mean, it's got to be a hipster band. Spider Hillhouse, surely that cannot be a real person. Yeah, it can't be, can it? Surely not. Go on, Jay. What you... so, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying hipster band. I'm saying... I would say hipster. No one, no one is called Spider. Nobody, unless he's like a part of a motorcycle gang. <laughs> Spider Hill House was a lock for oh, the Wallabies no! in the seventies. Yeah, wow. He was, he was he was named in the great. He was in the great Aussie side that beat the the great one of the greatest ever Welsh teams of the late seventies with all their names. He beat, he beat them in a series. Spider Hill House was a Wallaby. Wow, <laughs> what complex? So web, it's still two one we... to fill. Uh, next one, Oz Mutant. Oz Mutant. No, not having it. Not having it. Hipster band. Is Oz Mutant someone who would know their way around a squat rack or have a blog devoted to life hacks? <laughs> uh, I'm not having this. It, it, it definitely has a blog about life hacks. I agree with JV on this one. It has to be a hipster. There, yeah, it's a hipster band. A Brazilian band that mix deep electronic sounds with 60s psychedelia. Ooh, that sounds like I could uh, do with getting into some of that. Not really. Not for me. Uh, next one, then. Landon Pig. Is Landon Pig possibly a flanker or almost <laughs> certainly a wanker? Uh, well, they're not mutually exclusive, are they? Um... I'm going to say London Pig. Yeah. London, London Pig. Okay. London Pig is a wallaby. No. Uh, no. Surname Pig. <laughs> no, no, because obviously you can get a nickname, can't you? Like Spider. But surname is surname. Surname is surname. No. Hipster band. I'm going wallaby. It's too all. Oh. to play. Oh, wow! It's back level. Landon Pig from Nashville, Tennessee, an indie pop rocker known for catchy hooks and licks and releasing his emotions in his songwriting. Catchy hooks and licks. Well, wow. <laughs> final one then. Dick Cox. 
Spelt D-I-C-K. Yeah. And then Cox, C-O-C-K-S. Is Dick Cox a fan of David Pocock's breakdown work (laughs) versus France or or his ethical environmental stance? Uh, I think... uh, Dick Cox. Dick Cox, no, that's a real Aussie. That yeah, he's he's a wallaby. Surely, surely, when we were doing our Porn Star 15, we wouldn't have missed Dick, Dick. Cox. Or all all a strange, or Rex Lestrange. Uh I am um, I'm gonna have to go for indie band, and I think I'm gonna lose it on this one. Phil, you were 2-0 up and you have lost it. Oh. Yeah, about Phil, you scumbag. Oh. Dick Cox, uh, number eight, with 10 caps from New South Wales in the 70s. Australia, well, the one thing I've learned is there are so many more games you could play with Australian players' names because they've got players called Copper Kent, Bl- Blue Dixon, Weary Dunlop, Where Basil, I mean, they Basil are... Lucas. The, the best one I found, someone who played for Randwick, Australia, and also came over to the UK and played for Roslyn Park, Dick Tooth. <laughs> I mean, um, where did they get these names from? Because they are effectively just us that we put on boats and sent over there. So where did this, <laughs> where did this transformation happen? Um, word of warning: I just look, tried to look up Dick Cox by Google. <laughs> by Googling him, you, you will not find the rugby player if you type Dick Cox into into Google. Amazing, amazing. Phil, you're uh, sorry, uh, JB. You are the winner of. Well, uh, a nice catchy title, Wallaby or Wanker, but uh, Wallaby or Hipster Band. You're Wall- the Wallaby or Hipster Band will do. Excellent. Thank you very much. Very good, Tim. I enjoyed that. Pleasure. Right, shall we uh, move on from me winning all the points to a point-related story which came up in the news today? We should do. Yes. But the bonus points for Six Nations, boys. What do we think? So, just to set the scene, it's a trial. Mm-hmm. It's being labelled as a trial. And... They're introducing bonus points, um, so the usual Northern Hemisphere bonus points, not this fancy uh, Super Rugby thing. Yeah. And the only oddity is that if you win all five games, if you get achieve a Grand Slam, you get three league bonus points for doing so. Amazing. Thereby taking out the situation where someone who wins four games with all the bonus points and... Two losing bonus points could potentially beat someone who won five games with no bonus points. Got you. I like. Well, I'll tell you where I am. I like it. Uh, me too. I particularly like the rather elegant solution of awarding three bonus points for the the unusual situation I just described. Does that not feel a little bit like over engineering to you, though? No, it's that there, there is a there was or there would be a problem there if you didn't do it. Why? Because someone could win. If they only won four, well, so someone could achieve a grand slam and not win the title. Well, couldn't the rule just be the more elegant rule would be if someone wins a grand slam, all bets are um, all points are scrapped and they've won? Well, that's effectively what they do, just with a nice, simple, concise, elegant solution. The elegant one is just give them the trophy, just give them the trophy. <laughs> but then, you, but you don't have second to sixth, and that that positioning would you yeah. lose all that as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's it's worth pointing out that um, well, no, there's two things here. Like one. I'm a little bit of a rugby romantic, yeah, and I like um, my first memories of of rugby were watching the old Five Nations in the eighties and uh, watching guys like Dean Richards with his socks down playing against Scotland at Murrayfield in the Calcutta Cup, 
Bill McLaren on the commentary and stuff, and I quite like that it it retains some of that old school feel with the with the 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 only tournament in the whole of rugby anywhere on the in the planet that didn't have bonus points. However, the very fact it was the only tournament in the whole of rugby without bonus points, it was time and it is time to certainly trial it. But I would say it is time to to move on. Well, I don't see any downside to this whatsoever. Really, they're just rewarding people for scoring more points, and that's not a bad thing. No. The one thing you could say is, with there not being uh, home and with with the imbalance of home and away, you're not having home and away games. It could be that in, in alternate years you have a much like Italy at home. Let's say you have every yeah. other year, and on that year you'll it, you might sort of think, oh, well, that's five points for England at Twickenham yeah. or whatever. Mm. And it, it could imba- that, That's why I think we have to look at sit back. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Maybe two years of trialing it and then sit back and go, right, because the, the lack of home and away thing is the only bit that troubles me on it. Let me ask yeah. you this. What is the potential downside? Well, the, the home and away, it does. So the, each year is already unbalanced because you, some years you get stronger fixtures and each team gets stronger fixtures mm. year on year. But you simply don't know how that's going to work. I mean, you can't legislate for that. No, and this the argument is that this makes it, it pushes that imbalance slightly more it, it, to certain teams in different years. But I think that is a, a fairly weak argument. Yeah, agreed. Um, no, I really like it. I don't see any, any downsides here. Uh, tell me this though, Tim, right? I, you... I, I, I would just go back and say that, that we need to sort of sit back and look at this afterwards because yeah. you say you don't, you don't see a downside because Grand Slams are very, very, very rare. So well, I, I think, I think of... the majority of the time these tournaments are going to be decided by bonus points. I actually don't think they are that rare. I think about... I can think of, what, five? Maybe in the last ten years. There's been four or five, because Wales, 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 Wales have got three. Three in the last... Ireland have done one, England have done one in the last ten years. Yeah. Well, maybe it may... Well, for, I suppose historically, then, so weird, Grand yeah. Slams are quite rare. Grand Slams are almost like 30... Over 30% of the eventual results, actually. What? Uh, what Historically? But, well, uh, that'd be interesting. Prob- probably in the last not, ten years, Yeah, probably. Very, probably very not common, historically. Actually. Yeah, quite a disproportionately high amount in recent years. So, yeah, I guess so. But uh, my guess is if we could jump ahead 30 years in a time machine and look back, you would see quite a lot of tournaments being decided on bonus points. And yeah. again, on the year that, that you know, that fixtures are 
favouring one side more than the other. It, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not against it. It's the only tournament that doesn't have it. So I think that's that's all good. There's yeah. also the element where, because it's not played over a long period of time, it's in a six-week or seven-week block, there is um, the, the possibility where just one horrendous day's weather in Scotland yeah, and you, and you get a 9-6 win yeah. or whatever. But I so, suppose you've just got to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I'm probably, I agree. I'm probably with you then, Tim. I think it's positive. Don't see any particular downsides, but two-year trial is probably right assess it after that because the law of unintended consequences there could be something that comes out of it that we just don't appreciate mm, because of that. because of the fixtures um, but the one the one thing i think we can throw to that maybe is the the biggest glimmer of hope is what was it the final round five in 2015 yeah yeah the amazing uh, I mean, the amazing <laughs> day of rugby. days like that the world's greatest day of rugby yeah where yeah. it just kept getting better and better and better yeah that was incredible actually um, um, yeah, I, I've seen people saying that uh, with this system you're going to get fewer days, not more days like that. And I, I think that I, I don't see how they're coming to that conclusion. Yeah, because the next tiebreaker after bonus points is going to be um, points scored anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So there's no so, real difference, is there? Yeah. Um, can you see this being used as a springboard for further changes to the Six Nations? And do you think it would think it'd be a good idea if they did? Possibly. I think you know where I stand on that. Yeah, I think I think we do. Um, get get, a, get get another six teams in a, or even five teams, and make it two five team leagues, uh, and, and get, have a playoff or promotion relegation. Get Georgia, Russia, uh, Romania, and all the rest of it. But get them get them involved. How can you be a rugby traditionalist and then want promotion relegation? Because, uh, I, I, well, my insight there is how much better was the 2015 World Cup than any World Cup that had gone before in terms of a whole tournament because of uh, Georgia mm. and Japan and Romania and See, I think Canada. You, I think you're on something. Without a shadow of a doubt, you're on something. But the way it should be structured is we kick out Italy. There's a five nations, which is us. There's some other five nations or four nations. And they need to keep that as a regional tournament that does not expand, does not contract, does not have promotion relegation because that is what will create the 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 awesome awesome internationals the awesome uh following in rugby and the world cups because they need the continual rivalry if it's going to be you know meaningful in any way mm. so there well, you go i've you're... solved all rugby problems there <laughs> well you, your two questions um was firstly do you think they will this is kind of uh Setting the scene for more changes, I think. Yeah, I think the way that um, I hope not the way that the Six Nations have received some criticism over the past few years for exactly what Tim's describing, for for not opening up, for not considering changes, they're actually using this, and this is a relatively small change, certainly con- compared to uh, bringing Georgia in or promotion relegation. This is a relatively small change, so I think they are kind of opening up the idea to further changes. I don't think so. I, what those changes look like. I am not sure, and I'm not still not quite sure where I sit. I can see both arguments. Um, I do want Georgia and Romania and the rest getting more games against Tier 1 nations. Absolutely agreed. But I'm not sure if the, me, messing with the Six Nations is the better way. If you get the complete revised world uh, schedule for rugby, would it be better to 
ensure that each tier one nation has to play one or even two tier two nations at every calendar year. Well, I'm glad to announce that we're not we are not hypocrites. Okay, we are not hypocrites because we are going to do our bit for uh, tier two rugby by sticking sticking our nose up at uh, Six Nations and hopefully going to Bucharest for the Georgia Romania game. Now, oh, bring it. I've had some development. Ooh, exciting. Uh, I've actually pulled my finger out and started researching this this week. Uh, but I've not got very far. No. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> my development is I've done some work on it. And I cannot, for the life of me, find out how I can get tickets for this. Uh, so I've I've emailed both the European Nations Championship, the tournament organisers, and Roma- the Romanian RFU yeah. to try and just find out how the hell I can get hold of tickets. If there's someone out there who can point me in the right direction, please, please let us know at Ruby Podcast on Twitter because yeah. we are desperate to get to this game. Yeah, I mean, we've already got, I think, well, if you go, I think we'll be joined by at least seven other people. <laughs> there's, there's a few people putting their hands up for this one, aren't there? Yes, quite a few. Uh, was it? There's a there's a bunch of people that have been tweeting us saying they've booked up and they're or they're in the process of booking uh, or arranging are, it or organising it. A forty four quid. Yeah, flights are, flights are. It's cheaper than the train to Cardiff and probably quicker <laughs> and more civilized once you arrive. Definitely more civilized. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, right. Shall we shall we round up this podcast? Yeah, let's do that. Bye. So what I was thinking was the lions. The Lions is going to be the biggest talking point of next year. But we're probably a little bit too early to pick a 15. Mm. So what I think we should do is compare our boys against the best of the New Zealanders. Okay. So New Zealand arguably have six or seven of the best players in the world at the moment right now. Yep. Do we have the people who can match them? Right. So Can we negate their strengths? Yes, exactly. So first one, starting in the front row. Dane Coles. Hmm. I'm going to take issue with him being the best hooker in the world. That's the first thing I'm going to Because Augustine Creevy? Augustine Creevy. Oh, I love that man. Well, the thing about hooker, right, is it is effectively the most... uh, What's the word for it? Most flexible position on on the field. You can make hooker into whatever you want. So you can be Harry Thacker, or you can be Richard Richard Hibbard. And the only thing you can have in common is long hair. But they are completely different guys who do completely different jobs. So when we say... Is Dane Coles the best hooker in the world? He's the best hooker in the world at running in wide channels, and that's only because of the system that New, Ze- New Zealand play. Maybe he's, he's, he's quite best... he's quite possibly the best outside centre in the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> not that's probably a better shout. Uh, so, well, it's hard to say. Yeah, let's not try and get into a debate. He's over... immense. He's immense, though. Do yeah. we have anyone that can stack up? Let's not debate the definition of the best hooker no. in the world. He was the only. Who, who, I think our our. If we had to pick a Lions team tomorrow, Rory Best has probably earned that jersey, hasn't he? No, is the answer. I mean, yes and no. You can make a hell of a good argument for him because of the way that he played. Well, this is my point. I don't think we have a standout hooker. Yeah. Do you know who I think could be standout with a run of games? Sean Cronin. That is the guy. I just love watching him play. He, he never he never does anything but come off the bench. He's brilliant. Twenty minutes. He's brilliant, brilliant for twenty minutes. Yeah. He carries so hard. You know, he's such an explosive player. I mean, whichever way you, you look at it, it's a weird way to select your team, but I'm selecting my bench first, Sean Cronin, <laughs> and then someone else will stop. <laughs> I, I think I think the most consistently performing hooker in the home nations for the past probably two years 
has been Jamie George. Great shout. Great shout. But you can't play for England because Hartley's captain. So if you get a captain... On the international stage, you're talking, or are you just well, talking about what you've seen? In, all at, in, like you, He's been playing European Cup finals, let's be fair. Yes. Pretty, pretty big stage. He's played two European Cup finals in the last three years. Um, he's not played as much internationally, but in, in overall, from all I've seen, he's the best. And he's not as good as Dane Coles in my mind. No. Oh, what? Really? No, I think I think I think you'd do a disservice to Dane Coles by saying, simply saying but he's the best do... at running in yeah. outside channels because all yeah. black set piece is absolutely exceptional. Yeah, that's fair. He can mix the tough stuff with anyone, and then he can also throw maybe, two man miss passes. Maybe I'm guilty of Cristiano Ronaldo's syndrome here. <laughs> Go on. Which is Cristiano Ronaldo is so good at you know using his feet, people forget he's a, he's an excellent header of the ball. Yes. And Dane Coles is so excellent at running in those wide channels that maybe I've overlooked everything else. Yes. He's absolutely immense, and he's gonna. He is someone that that is a game winner, game breaker, uh, and we really need to watch him. But we don't have anyone in that position who can come close. The next one, I think you're probably going to mention, Phil. I might, I might think a bit differently. What, what you got? Uh, well, I was going to go for Brody Retallick. Interesting. A lot of people think this guy is the best lock in the world. Winner, which, winner it, of the World Player of the Year two years ago. Yep, and he, it, he, he is the golden age of locks. And he is considered the best. We are he in is the, the best. Of, but yes, he is the best, I think. We are in the He was so Europe, amazing so. against Ireland in uh, Dublin. I don't know. Yes. Uh, I, the only thing I'll say is maybe he is the best, but I think the margins are so slim between him and the, pack, and the rest of the pack. I, well, who is the rest of the pack? Who, do, who have we got? Who, who's our number one a, today? A Todgy, Cruis, Alan Wynne Jones, Gray, um, you know. Hendo, Hendo. <laughs> Toner's playing exceptionally Toner's well. Um, <laughs> well, the, the four the four locks I would take if we were picking a Lions squad today would be Kratoji, yeah, yeah, Alan Alan Wynn and Johnny Gray, and so Launchbury Launchbury misses out. Oh, Launchbury misses out. Oh, I, I might even swap out Win. Yeah, uh, then Devon Toner. God, ew. and Law. I, I thought Laws was very close to being man of the match. Yeah, uh, for he England, was. Australia. Yeah, he was exceptional. So. <laughs> It's a, I mean, you've got to say, you've got to base it around Itoji and Kruis. You've, you've just got to. And then you've got to take Alan Wynn. Yeah. That I, has I, to happen. I completely agree with all of that. Then what happens? I don't know, because you've then got four other players fighting for one more spot. Yeah. And so, what? yes, I th- so I think that means, by the very nature of it, we can compete, but we don't have someone as quite as good. But it's, the gap is very, very close. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I don't think there's much in it at all. Where are you going next? Uh, Kieran Reid would be my next one. So I don't think he's quite shown the form this year as he has in previous years, but he's still probably the best number eight in the world. I think <sighs> we have uh, Big Billy, Jamie Heaslip, uh, Talupe Falatau at the moment doesn't get in my match day squad. Oh, and I, and, and I think because he doesn't get in is because you haven't seen him for a while. And when he plays, yeah, exactly. and you realise, oh my god, this guy's amazing. Um, Billy has to be, if he is anything like the Billy that just got injured, has to be the starter. Agreed. And if he is the starter, I think he, I think he might be better. Uh, so this is the thing. This is when you kind of realise that New Zealand are playing a different game to everyone else because all the players that we're picking do so so many different things to the <laughs> players they've been picked against. Yeah, yeah Kieran Reid's going to be out there 
in the 15 meter channel so uh, you know this is interesting support, playing a supporting runner role or a or a wide channel ball carrier with Dane Coles. It does feel like every every all block we mention it belongs in the 15 meter channel. It begs the question: <laughs> yeah. Who on earth stays in the middle of the field for? <laughs> maybe that's where we should attack. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe maybe Gatlin ball is the way to go. Just yeah. run out the middle. Uh, so I, I'm with you, Billy. If you can get back to the form pre-injury, has to has to be the starter. And you've got a hell of a couple of backups in because he slips form at the moment is brilliant. It and is. Falatau is a hell of a player. So I don't think we're far off there either. Aaron Smith is that the well, next one? Aaron Smith or TJ Perinara because TJ Perinara started the France game and Smith's form hasn't been good. But you've got two of the best nines in the world. I, your, your boy Connor will do him. There, Connor, will, Connor will do him. Connor is just he's just great. So. The the home nations nine. You've got Connor, who has been magnificent. Mm-hmm. Ben Youngs has also been magnificent. Yep. Uh, Reese Webb hasn't. He's injured. Hasn't really shown the form. And Laidlaw, who I'm not sure no. if you'd take him. You might take him for his leadership and leadership. No, you don't do that. Team. You don't do that. I think we've learned. You don't take players or people on tour who can't contribute contribute on on the field. So um, exactly, and here's here's one contribution from a scrum half. If you need someone to knock over a last minute drop goal, that's why we've got to take Danny Care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you see his first touch of the ball? He tried to try to drop goal in the England Australia yeah. game. No, I, I had no idea that he did this. I don't even think a horrendous the, drop goal. I don't think he made the try line. <laughs> it was awful. Uh, he even uh, bobbed out a tweet just taking the mickey out of himself for his drop goal. So, but I think we've got to eat a little bit of humble pie on Ben Youngs because it was in June, back in June, yeah. when we were doing the uh, the, yeah. the podcasts with I, Green and Gold. And they, they were saying that Ben Youngs is one of the players they really fear, feared. And we all sort of, really? Laughed? Ben scoffed. Youngs? Yeah, I don't. I, I'm assuming the cliff is coming because this has been his career to date. Good, bad, good, good, bad, 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 good. And like you think, oh, Ben Youngs is done now. They're not going to pick him again. And then he gets picked again. But you can't, can't argue with this form. He has been superb. Yeah, again. And this, this is really... So you've got Youngs and Conor Murray against Aaron Smith and TJ Perinara. Well, if you're going to take Conor Murray and you want to play that way, you've got to take a backup who can basically back him up. Like Mike Phillips. Correct. <laughs> How did you know that was going there? <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, so, again, I don't think we're far behind. Uh, yeah, late bolter on that one, Ben Spencer. Very, no. very late bolter. That's that is that's, that's four fine. years too early. I'd like to see him in the squad. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd like to see him in the England. Squad no, would first. you really? Wouldn't you rather see Dan Robson in the squad? Oh, yeah, no. that's a good point. Or even Joe Simpson. No, I think that I think they'll probably skip those those guys and go straight to Spencer. Well, Joe Simpson, he was in the England squad for the 2011 World Cup. Was he? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, they'll. I think they'll go straight past them. They'll go to Spencer, Spencer. because he can kick better than Laidlaw, allegedly. Uh, he's very fast. He's rem- he gassed Mike Haley two <laughs> yeah. weeks ago. He's remarkably fast, and he's only going to be uh, growing and growing and growing. And you know, he might. But well, he's not going to be playing. Warren Gatland will pick from players that yeah. are involved in the Six Nations. Yeah, he won't be in the and Lions. The, and the Six Nations and European. We had a chat with Will Greenwood, didn't we, at the Canterbury Lions launch, and he said. You have to be playing in the Six Nations or you must be playing and... No, he said and 
you must be playing in the latter stages of the European Cup. That's he, where the, the selections will be made. Yeah, all it takes is an injury to say Wigglesworth, and then he's in that Saracens team. Well, they've got two. Yeah. They've got two coaches there who are ex-Saracens in the England setup. It's not a million miles away from this actually happening. And if say Reese Webb is injured, and you want a wild card uh, mm. nine, someone who can run the game, run the ball, man, you then you just go for Robson or Simpson. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you it's sure? You sure? Pr- pretty sure. Pretty yeah. sure. And plus, uh, and plus, if if yeah, as you say, if fit, Reese Webb does that job brilliantly. Yes. So. Yeah. Reese Webb is exceptional. Yeah, and so, Danny Kerr's in the England squad, and he kind of does that job as well. <clears throat> so we're saying we're not far off at nine. Then last two positions yeah. I wanted to talk about: ten, Bowden Barrett, World Player of the Year, top point scorer in Super Rugby. Player of the series in New Zealand's tour. Player of the Rugby Championship. When did this guy get good? Uh, last couple of seasons, he's got real good. Hasn't he just? Um, yeah, but this good. I mean, I, we always knew he was good. We always knew he was going to be backing up Carter and, you know, he kind of took a, a back seat. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we did. I don't think everyone automatically went, oh, it's going to be Bowden Barrett. I think a lot of people went, oh, they've got Bowden Barrett. They've got Aaron Cruden. That's exactly... That's they've got... They've, They've got Sopawanga. I think people were thinking between the three of them, it could be this could be a bit difficult post World Cup. Uh, no, I just thought it'd be Cruden. I thought Cruden would be the starting ten, uh, yeah. basically for the next generation. But uh, no, completely wrong. Uh, Barrett, <laughs> it's just incredible. No one can play like Barrett. Uh, I agree. People can do bits of what he can do. There are definitely better kickers, but no one can have. No one has his all round game. Uh, uh, I would say all-round game, apart from I do have a couple of question marks over his game management, mm. particularly in that, that defeat uh, by Ireland in Chicago. He was put under a lot of pressure, and I think he did flake a little bit. Not a lot, but there were cracks there, and he didn't get them in the right places, and he didn't play the smart rugby. He was trying to run it from everywhere, so... There's, there's... Albeit, albeit he didn't have a settled centre pairing outside him. But... Yeah, he had a completely injuries during the game the, and before the game. The most so... impressive thing about Barrett, which is a weird thing to say about a fly half, is probably his strength and his power. I mean, he's incredible. His gas, his gas is unreal. Yeah, I mean, you just his put... gas really is unreal. I mean, how often have you seen him just you know put a hand in someone's chest and go? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's inter- there's many international wingers <laughs> as quick. Uh, no, I think you're probably right. Yeah, we don't have anyone like Barrett. He, he's scarily fast. He, oh. Yeah, and that that um that negativity for me that is a minor hint of a question well, mark. All his positives are truly exceptional. Something did happen this week, which makes me think there is a plan to unsettle him. Okay, James Hook went to the Ospreys, so that that should unsettle him massively. Uh, okay, well because that obviously means the Ospreys are preparing to lose a fly half. Now, if they lose, um. Davis, well, that's no good. And he's probably on less money. So my bet is he, they're going to lose Bigger. Now, if Bigger was to go to the same club as, say, Bowden Barrett's, he would unseat him immediately. <laughs> that is the plan. New Zealand rugby simply would not let that happen. They know the consequences. <laughs> well, I mean, that, I think, that, I think that, that's what they're up to. It's a union... The Canes are a union-controlled club. There is no way that New Zealand rugby... But it's that Bigger... On. And then he would. But then again, then again, then again, Phil. Maybe they're thinking we need to get, we need to get Bowden Barrett ready for the Lions, 
and they've heard about this bigger thing and they actually want to want to want to make sure he's up to up to the challenge by sending bigger there as a challenge exactly so uh, in case anyone anyone's listening to this what on earth are they talking about <laughs> my my theory is Dan bigger can I, will unseat any fly half that you put in the same same club as him <laughs> so he's gone through hook he's gone through <laughs> henson he's gone through he's gone through everyone and now they're going to shift him off to the canes uh, to un, to un, unnerve Odin Barrett. Hear me now, believe me later. I know about these things. What are you doing? Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Uh, finally. Finally. Back three. Go on. Oh, so I th- sorry, sorry. So I think the answer is we don't have anyone remotely close. No. Who, just out of interest, name your, your Lions 10 for, for a test match next weekend. Go. If everyone's fit and firing... Until this... Until... Very recently, I would have said Johnny Sexton. I'm now falling on Owen Farrell. I'm I'm with you, Phil. I'm I'm I've written, I've just written out that down on a bit of paper in front of me here because I quite fancy having Henshaw as the twelve. The yeah. weird, yeah. The problem with Farrell is, makes the same problem with Falatow. I've not seen him play international for quite a while. Um, at ten. At ten. Yeah. And yes, I think you're probably right, but. The draw of Sexton is just—it's just too much. Yeah, uh, Sexton for me. Yeah, Sexton or bigger is still—it's <laughs> a tough one. Uh, and finally, then back three. Okay, so I think New Zealand's first choice would be Smith, Dag, and Surveyor. Can we compete? Uh, Smith, Dag, Surveyor. Right. So uh, my back three—if I was picking it today—would be. Stuart Hogg, Tommy Seymour, Liam Williams. Ooh. Uh, I would go. What would yours be? But but I'm, I don't. Th- I, I think the short answer is no. We don't. No, I think we do. Um, so Surveyor, as far as I'm concerned, I keep saying this. Well, I used to say it until he had that one amazing game against France. He's had a few amazing games. Yeah, but the game against France was like Surveyor. Surveyor played like everyone spoke about him. After that, um, if you look at most of his highlights, he's just running in tries unopposed. Um, <laughs> I actually think he can be a little un- a little unnerved, uh, so I'm not that worried about Surveyor. Watch him score five tries now <laughs> against Lions. I think the most impressive guy of those three is Israel Dag. I think Israel Dag is absolutely superb. Um, but, so yeah, you can counter what. In fact, I'd say George North is probably as as good as Surveyor. If not better, when he's winning. Which the which incarnation of George North though? Because not good I've, question. Good question. George George North from the Lions, twenty thirteen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Israel Dag, I think, is a fairly unique talent. Um, ben Smith is like a really good Mike Brown. Ben uh, Smith. I, well, I, I think Ben Smith is actually better than Israel Dag. Hence why he's wearing the fifteen, not the fourteen shirt in the big games. Mm. Uh, he's, Who he's would your back more... three be, Phil? Uh, if you had to pick today. It Everyone would, fit. It would probably no, be no, no hint of concussion or no, oh sorry, not concussion. He, no, there was no concussion anyway. Go on. Hog, Liam Williams, and probably Anthony Watson. Oh, Anthony Watson's Ooh, a great interesting because Anthony Watson's more pretty much more athletic and faster than uh, pretty much anyone. And in fact, yeah. if you really want to throw a spanner in the works, send Wade. <laughs> no one, no one told him. He told last time, he didn't did, he? Yeah. Oh, he got called up. What? Uh, what? Who would your back three? Because me, me and Phil are united on two out of the three selections then, and yeah. no George North in either of ours. Uh, so well, who would yours a, be? Okay, so the problem is, what would I pick compared to what is going to be picked? 
Um, I'd always take Alex Good. Always. Um, <laughs> no, no, starting. Start, starting. So you're gonna start starting Alex a Goode. test match. Test, yeah, yeah. First, I, I first always, test, everyone fit I would week. always pick Alex Good. Okay. Because Alex Good <laughs> okay. is just a phenomenal rugby player. Um, George North, mm, that's a bit weak, actually. Do you know what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No, no. Maybe Watson. Maybe. And definitely not Halfpenny. Uh, maybe Liam Williams on the on, on the other wing. I'm, I'm not very confident. Liam Williams, good. And if George North gets back to some sort of form, George North. Hmm, yeah. I think what we're saying is, no, we probably can't compete. Or certainly we're not as close as some of the other positions. No, no, we're not actually. That's a good point. Uh, just so you know, I tried to pick my Lions backs. Okay. It is so hard. So this is this is how you pick um, pick the lines in my mind. You have a set number of places for each for each position. So like two fullbacks, yeah, three three wingers, four centres, yeah, two fly halves, um, two uh, fly halves, and that's it. Yeah, okay. And then you have three additional spaces for wild cards. Yeah, and you just list the players and see if you can pick that team. It is so so difficult. Yeah. So. They, they, we'll be doing that at some point in the future. No, probably not for a while. I've done mine. <laughs> Ready? I've done mine. Hear me now, believe me later. I'll, that is the squad. I'll, 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 just, I'll just McGrath, Best, Furlong, Kratodji, Rob Shaw, O'Brien, Vinopola, Murray, Farrell, Henshaw. Don't have an outside centre. Seam, uh, William Seymour Hogg. That's my uh, that's my fifteen. If I was picking it this weekend, but anyway. Interesting, interesting. Save it for another time. Yeah. There we go then. Uh, shall we wrap this up? Let's wrap it up. I'll tell you what. I'll ask you one question because I've just found uh, just another little bit of a teaser for you. So I've just found this little stat on. So statistically, players get a score based on their work, the involvements they have, the 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 meters, the tackles. Is every player gets a score? So the man of the match for the game was Jonathan Joseph, who will you know presumably poured bottles cases of champagne <laughs> all over the floor on saturday night yeah no doubt uh, he was the top ranked player i want you to see if you can get the other four players in that match that were in the top five are they all Take Engl- it- are the england players all from both teams uh, it's the whole it's all all 30 or all 46 players that were involved were eligible for this so just take it in turns and the and there's four spots. See who can get the most out of the top four. In fact, I'll do six. So then there's five. So then there could be a three-two. So there'll be a winner. Okay. So take it in turns. Phil, as you lost the first game, you can go first here. Okay, I'll go for an easy one. Has to be Israel Flau. Uh, no. What? No. Right. Repeat this question. Statistically. Players get a score. You know how, like, it's not Opta, but you know how, like, Opta give players a score based on their involvements in the game, so they they combine everything. Positive that you contributions. Do. Positive contributions, and it's weighted differently for different positions to yeah, account yeah. for the fact that fullbacks will make more yards than a front row I know. player. Uh, yeah, got it. So Kepu, Kepu scored the highest. Kepu was came in seventh, so what? he was outside the top six. Uh. Unlucky Phil. Back to you. Uh. Let's go for try scorers then, because all we know is Joseph scored two and he's in there. So Ben Youngs is four. He's yes. fourth. So that's so one point Phil, to me. 
one point for Phil. So there's still second, third, fifth, and sixth. Bernard Foley. No. What? Uh, another try scorer, Naivalu. No. Cruis. No. Oh, Nathan Hughes. Third. So another two nil to me. Phil. So there's second, fifth, and sixth in the statistically best players on the field. Uh, po- um, uh, uh, I was going to say Pocock. No. Um, yeah, Pocock. No. What? What kind of <laughs> quiz is this? <laughs> I'm surprised because you mentioned someone that you thought was uh, oh, close to being man of the match. Oh, so my, my go. Yeah. Courtney Laws. Courtney Laws second. Three only nil. narrowly edged out by Jonathan Joseph for, for the man of the match on the stats. Yeah, he was very, well, very impressive. I've got something very sad to tell you about stats, Tim. <laughs> there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. No, sadder. Um, we met a guy from Opta at Sale. <laughs> really nice fella. Really good chap. I was like, how do you measure the yards? And I assumed there'd be like laser pointers everywhere and like lots of people with like you know pointy heads. Well, just the GPS. GPS can tell you exactly how many yards you've, you've moved forward. Well, I, something like that. And the, do you know what the answer was? What? We just know. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just estimate it. Yeah, it looks yeah. like he ran oh, five, no. five yards there. <laughs> yeah. So oh, um, no. Opta. Do you know for my I once helped. Uh, funnily enough, it was Joe Lab. He was doing his dissertation on at Bath Uni on the the ground covered by rugby union players, and and I helped him out and set up a load of um to to basically a load of markers all around the pitch at the wreck. Mm. To to configure what's that word where you set up you um, I know uh, calibrate calibrate yeah to calibrate the cameras so that it would understand what distances so that then you could track players movements specifically and if Joe Alabd can do that for his university dissertation yeah. Opta can do it for yeah but official you, stats you were in the University of Bath Tim with like the best sports department I think in the world or something it is ridiculous there the the other thing that truly, truly disappointed me, this was at the Sale Exeter game, and after the game he was on his laptop, uh, and JB asked him, oh, how many how many penalties did Sale give away? Did they give away loads more? He said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, can, I can find out, though. Starts tapping away on his computer, and I was expecting him to plug directly into the mainframe. <laughs> the odds, it'd be, to be like the Matrix, with numbers <laughs> flying everywhere. No, he just went, went to Google, went to ESPN Rugby, and looked on the... Oh, so, no! Was, oh, so, uh, what a letdown. So what on earth? Like, You've got to start thinking then, like, who, who, who is keeping all... Where, where is the magic actually happening? Is it ESPN? <laughs> well, and that did... also says to me that if I really, really wanted to win in fantasy rugby, I could engineer myself winning by by somehow finding the person who fills this thing in oh mate well and, you've and only... just completely fabricate the numbers oh well what about our class action lawsuits from everyone that plays fan like fan, fancy rugby draft taking <laughs> taking opta to the cleaners particularly when there's yeah. money on it well i did while you weren't listening jay i did offer him 20 quid if he uh, <laughs> took down mike haley's <laughs> meters made and defenders beaten <laughs> wow 
Corruption at the highest level. <laughs> Outrage. Anyway, to conclude the statistical thing, the top player was Jonathan Joseph, second was Courtney Laws, third Nathan Hughes, fourth Ben Youngs, fifth Tom Wood, wow. who, again, we like there were question marks over him and he, he did show up really well. Uh, sixth, George Ford. It wasn't until Sokopi Kepu, number seven, that an Australian featured and uh, just sort of says in that second half just how dominant England were. Agreed. Yeah. Good times. Cool. Very good. Right, do you want to wrap it up then, Tim? I'll wrap it up, yeah. I will say that uh, this is only part one of this week's podcasting uh, because in this feed where you're listening to this right now, you're going to get a midweek domestic podcast which will be looking at all of the matches from the Aviva Premiership and more importantly, or equally importantly, we'll be looking ahead to a massive weekend of European action. Those internationals aren't going to have any breathers they're going to get straight back into some massive, massive matches. So we'll be previewing that and getting right into that. I would just say thank you very much for listening once again. Give us your thoughts and feedback at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Leave your five-star reviews and a comment, and we can mention it on the next podcast when it's coming your way. Uh, and top work, I reckon. I, I think, should we play out with that advert one more time? Yeah, why not? It's good fun, isn't yeah, it? It's beautiful, it's brilliant fun, and for, for any Englishman, it's, it, it just brings an extra smile to your face. And for every Aussie, it's just a little bit more humble by being shoved down your throat. Let's just uh, <laughs> finish with the laughing, shall we? Right, see you on Wednesday, boys. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.